sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Happy Friday here on Fantasy Sports Today, and it is a happy Friday. Why is that? Because college football takes its next step on Saturday as the Southeastern Conference returns to play this weekend. Of course, we'll have all of that as well as an NFL preview. Also, the latest in the Super Contest. Howard Bender joins me a little bit later in the show. We'll go over some potential picks to use this weekend. Set you up with fantasy football for the weekend as well. I am Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you for the next two hours. Talking all sports here, and Joe, we're ready for a wild weekend and certainly looking forward to week three of the NFL, in addition to closing out the end of the 2020 regular season of Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's fall. I love this. The leaves are changing. We've got college football. We've got Major League Baseball. Uh, we've got NFL. We've got it all. We've got NFL going on, which we don't usually have in the fall, but certainly uh, this is very exciting stuff here as we head into the weekend. And, of course, getting college football SEC back is exactly what we were hoping for, and it looks like so far. So, so that's huge as well. And we've got an exciting little run this weekend, too, which is almost like a fake playoff, basically, heading into the weekend of Major League Baseball as they're closing up, too, as a couple teams are trying to make that push for that last couple spots there remaining. And Craig is going to tease me all day long that my Mets are still mathematically uh, not eliminated yet, but they're eliminated, Craig. They they just are. Probably after tonight, yeah. I, I would say that that's it. But mathematically, they are alive. And if they win every game the rest of the way, then, you know, certainly they, they have the door open. But a lot of things have to happen, uh, including uh, basically the Nationals uh, going back and playing in Montreal permanently. If that happens, the Mets are right back in there. So, yeah, I think you're out. Okay, let's take a look at our headlines for today here on this Friday, and we'll start off with the NFL game last night. Not much of one. Very early on, the Dolphins just imposed their will on Jacksonville and sort of uh, brought the Jaguars back to earth a little bit as they won 31-13. to The Dolphins basically at this point are uh, you know better than Jacksonville. They're a 500 team. Jacksonville probably is not, and I, and I think that was mostly evident. Very early on, it was 14-0. Jacksonville had their series, and they did get some decent YPG yards per uh attempt YPA yeah yards per attempt uh but overall in the game it wasn't close uh Lakers Nuggets was very close back and forth for a while there Jamal Murray again brought the Nuggets back into this game but defense prevailed late for the Lakers they take a 3-1 lead over the Denver Nuggets but again Denver came down from 3-1 last time so we're not going to eliminate them yet that is for sure the Pac-12 has done a complete walk back they said they were not going to play in the fall they even waited for all the other conferences to say they were going to play, including the Big Ten saying they were going to play in October. So why in the world, if they were going to play, did they wait this long? Well, that's the bad news. The good news is Pac-12 is back in November. All of those kids who opted out can now opt back in, and we are essentially going to have all the conferences playing at some point. It's going to be a bizarre year for sure, but they're going to play a very short schedule. I believe it's six or eight games, and then Pac-12 teams will be eligible to play in the college football playoff, although the Pac-12 has not had a lot of success at that over the years. How about the Blue Jays? Yes, the Buffalo Blue Jays. They punched their ticket to October. 16 teams get in. The Blue Jays will be one of them. We'll hear from Kevin Biggio a little bit later in the show. Congratulations to them. Their timeline to compete basically has been sped up because of the extra teams in, and they are in. Although, of course, 
It is not Toronto this year. It is Buffalo. And then finally, the Dodgers are getting ready for their postseason. It was good to see Walker Buehler get back on the mound for them. Of course, he'll probably pitch in game two of their postseason series, which is coming up. And Joe, that's where we'll start off today, certainly with a little bit of baseball and uh, and basketball. And then unfortunately, the uh, the game last night was was sort of a dud. It was you know, sort of competitive for a half. But, uh, you know, Minshew has these up and down games. And last night for him was a down one. It was. Uh, look, the Dolphins came out with a really good game plan, though. I mean, and they absolutely dominated the possession in the uh, first quarter of this game and basically the first half of this game as well. They came out. They looked really fresh. Uh, things were rolling. Gaskin looked terrific. He was able to bounce a lot of uh, runs outside, and that's the one thing that I think going forward, the big takeaway for me watching this game was, all right, it looks like Gaskin really is the guy. I know we all had hopes for Brita. We all thought Jordan Howard might be boring, and yeah, Jordan Howard did fall into the end zone once, but they also got stalled out a couple times at the goal line too. So this notion that Jordan Howard is the best back they have around the goal line, that might be a fallacy. They might be better off with a guy like Gaskin who can run up there and then change direction somewhere else. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did a terrific job of finding the open guy. He also did a terrific job of rushing out there in space when plays broke down. I thought the offensive line played surprisingly well there. And the Jaguars struggled on defense. There's no doubt about that. They failed to get pressure on Fitzpatrick, and when they did, he was able to elude it and get out there in space and pick up big, giant chunks of yardage. And then as that game kind of got away from them, you saw Minshew kind of get a little reckless with the football, which is something he did last year, too. Uh, Kyle Van Noy had a great strip uh, of the football there and recovery one spot. There was a couple moments where he threw the ball where he should not. One should have been a really bad interception. It just barely was not. But uh, I think overall, the Jacksonville Jaguars really missed the presence of DJ Shark on that field last night, who did not play in the game. His presence allows him to go out there and spread the ball around to guys like Conley, who dropped a couple balls, guys like Chenault, guys like Keelan Cole, who have been more useful recently in fantasy. But people don't realize part of the reason useful is because you've got a real true number one like DJ Shark out there that you got to account for defense. So Jeff came back to earth. You saw an 0 2 team with the Miami Dolphins to not go 0 3. If we think about the Dolphins last year, is they have some self respect for themselves. Certainly in the second half, they proved that. And I think as the season goes on, as the schedule goes on, they will continue to, like you said, probably be around a 500 team. And Jacksonville probably will be closer to under 500 team without a doubt. Yeah, and some of the pregame was talking about is are the Jaguars for real on TV, and that was an immediate flip for me. I mean, if you're that desperate for content, that that's the way that you got to go, then uh, then you need to come up with something else because I don't think anybody in the world thought that was the case. And I thought Jacksonville uh, played over their heads, and and I and I thought people, you know, it was kind of an overreaction once, and then an overreaction again, overreaction on them tanking, which no team does. And then overaction again, thinking that they're going to be a 500 team. They're going to be somewhere in between, just like everybody else in the NFL. We'll have our fantasy standouts next. Stay tuned. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. We had so many fantasy standouts from Thursday night, and it's interesting now that we have the NFL back and we have Major League Baseball, uh, we are going to whittle those down. So unfortunately, for those of you who tune in every Friday to see us do fantasy standouts in Major League Baseball, well, the bad news is, is that the fantasy baseball season is coming to an end this weekend, but certainly we'll still cover the postseason for the most part, what you can expect, of course, are fantasy standouts 
in football, though, moving forward. So let's get right to it and start off with the Thursday night game in the NFL. The Miami Dolphins were just all over the Jacksonville Jaguars early on in this game. And as we've discussed, it was really hard for Gardner Minshew to get back in there and get back in this game. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for those of you who dared to start Fitzpatrick, maybe you took a look at the total and saw 48. And that was a higher total than basically two or three other games in the NFL. You took a shot with Fitzpatrick. You were rewarded. 160 pass yards. Blah. Who cares? But let's get those touchdowns in there. If you played in a league that gave you six, you got 18. If you played in a league that gave you four points per touchdown, he gave you 12. Add the 38 rush yards. That's 15. Add another couple of passing yards. 160. You got 16, 17 fantasy points from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I can tell you that going into the weekend, he's going to outscore at least a couple quarterbacks that you start this weekend in fantasy. So good job by him. James Robinson. Wow, James Robinson has been really effective, whether it's been running the ball or catching the ball out of the backfield. And the fact that basically he's got no competition certainly helps him. 11 carries, 46 yards. That's not something you want to see, but grab those six receptions in a PPR league. That's six, 83 receiving yards. That's eight. That's 14 plus the two touchdowns. James Robinson is almost a 30-point fantasy night. And all of a sudden, is jumped into the RB2 conversation at the very least, maybe RB1 moving forward. The Dolphins, I can't figure out their running game. I, I can't figure out what they're doing this year. But Miles Gaskin, who uh, went into the season even on the bubble of making the team potentially, is basically shut Matt Breida out. Why the Dolphins took Breida on and took on his $3 million, I have no idea. Because Gaskin is a guy. 22 carries, 66 rushing yards. He's basically getting every carry the Dolphins have outside of the goal line. And, and Jordan Howard, of course, is getting those. So he didn't put up a great fantasy night. But certainly if he is going to get 25 touches a game, you know that eventually there's going to be a big carry. There's going to be a, a down where he gets the ball on third and three from some other team's three-yard line and gets it in. He hasn't been able to do it yet. Jordan Howard's getting those touchdowns, which is annoying. But Gaskin is, look, looks like, at the very least, a possibility of a flex play at some point this season. We'll have to keep in mind there. Uh, Mike Gusecki just continues to improve and show promise, and he had a 15-yard touchdown reception in this game. Not quite in the tight end one conversation, but the better that he plays as the season goes on, I think the more that you would consider that. And so Miami really didn't need to do a lot in the second half. And as you saw there in the graphic, Gaskin had 22 carries in this game, which was completely unexpected in any kind of game. You would think that he at least split it with Howard and, and Brita, but he did not. So that didn't lead to a great game script in the second half. Miami just kind of shutting down the clock. And with all the mistakes that Jacksonville was making, it didn't give really anybody an opportunity to shine in this one. So... Pretty much a, a game that I would say that was somewhat exciting if you played a few guys in fantasy, but the Vegas total did go under. And, of course, mm -hmm. if you took the Dolphins plus three, you ended up cashing there. Uh, in Major League Baseball last night, a little bit of a different story. Two nights ago, we had two home run games across the board. Last night, not so much. Also, keep in mind, with the amount of teams that are clinching the postseason, some teams have decided to at least shut it down temporarily, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that this weekend. So make sure you check your fantasy lineups if you're playing in season-long leagues, and make sure that if you're able to, take a look right before the game starts, get guys out, put guys in. I know I'm in that situation going into the weekend trying to, I don't think I'm going to win, but trying to get close as I can to the top 
so I don't lose out on uh, on standings at the end of the season. Miguel Cabrera hit two home runs yesterday, th- two days ago, hit another home run yesterday, and it was one of his top 10 longest home runs of all time. So maybe this strong finish for Miguel Cabrera gets him on the map back again in 2021. The guy does have 10 home runs. This is a 25 home run season, potentially. He's closing in on 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. He'll probably get that next year. He also drove in three runs yesterday. Also, remember, the Tigers may end up on the season two games short unless they play Monday against the Cardinals. Alberto Mondesi took FanDuel's uh, stolen base total and went over last night, so that's official. If you bet the over on anyone stealing 21 and a half bases in 2020, it went over last night. He hit the 22 mark. He also had four hits in the game, two RBIs, and as I mentioned, those two steals. Cesar Hernandez of the Indians was a nice pickup for them, for sure. He was given away by the Phillies. Three hits, three RBIs at a run scored. George Springer and the Houston Astros are sort of limping into the postseason. They're a 500 team, but they're going to get in. And then who knows? They don't have really, uh, you know, a lot of young pitching they have in Framber Valdez and and Christian Javier. But maybe that offense will get going. It has not for Altuve and Bregman all season long. And both of those guys homer along with Springer, who enters his free agent season. 14 home runs now for Springer and three runs driven in. Pittsburgh, we haven't talked a lot about this year because there hasn't been a lot to talk about. But Chad Cool. Through seven shutout innings yesterday, they improved to two and three. Uh, Kwang Young Kim is in the Rookie of the Year conversation along with Tony Gonsolin and and maybe even Dustin May and some others. I think it's kind of wide open. Sixto Sanchez had two back-to-back poor starts, and I think it's it's basically up for that discussion. Kim has been great, though, for St. Louis all year long. Five innings pitched, one earned run, and also uh, improves to 3-0 and on the season. In addition to that, Rafael Dolis. I mean, who would have thought that Dolis would end up being an elite closer at the end of the year? He's someone that we're going to have to keep an eye on, especially for next year. He picked up his five saves, and Ken Giles is probably out for all of 2021. So Dolis is definitely a player to keep an eye on as he picks up his fifth save with the Blue Jays. And those are our fantasy standouts from last night. One thing that happened that was, I think, a really good story for baseball is when you have teams that don't make the postseason for a number of years and they end up qualifying. Uh, Personally, for me, I'm waiting to see if that ends up happening with the Miami Marlins as they take on the New York Yankees this weekend. That can happen actually tonight, and we'll dive a little bit more into what the standings are. Let's focus on the Blue Jays here for a minute that had one of baseball's worst records two years ago. They've rebuilt their farm system. They made a financial commitment to their game winner last night in Hunjin Ryu, who picked up their postseason clinching win. Of course, they have the young rookies in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio, who talked last night about getting his team to the postseason for the first time in several years. I don't know if, it, if it's going to be a specific moment or, or what, but it's, it's definitely something that, you know, we pictured bringing a winning, you know, attitude and mindset to uh, to Toronto and to the big league level. And, you know, I, I think what's going to make it special is doing this consistently and doing this for years to come. So in my mind, this is just the start of it. But, uh, we, you know, we're going to enjoy this and, and uh, have some fun with it. And Kevin Biggio, Joe, is someone that uh, I think that a lot of people are going to have their eye on in fantasy leagues next year as well. The Blue Jays are back into the postseason, uh, albeit not the Toronto Blue Jays, the Buffalo Blue Jays. Yeah, that's kind of the tough spot, right? You know, that Toronto getting these right. They're in the play. They're not playing in Toronto even. What a strange set of circumstances. But certainly great to see Ryu 
rebound after our first two rocky outings. He's been pretty darn good the rest of the way, and he was one of our buy lows here on the program too, and a lot of people wrote him off. Oh, he can't possibly match what he did last year. No, of course not, because in the first half of last year, Ryu was a guy who was pitching out of his mind, and then there was some normal regression in the second half of last season, but still, he was a pretty good pitcher. You could throw him out there, and I understand the guy's at injury risk, but basically – his stock was at an all-time low coming off a very good season. There was no reason not to buy in, especially in a short period of season two when you only had 60 games. Chance of possibly get hurt your entire season. So, hey, why not take you know a risk there with Ryu? If you did, it paid off. And look, the Blue Jays took a risk with him, and it paid off too. A playoff team, and they're, uh, who would have thought that we'd be sitting here too with them being a playoff team, talking about Biggio, talking about Bichette. And we hardly mentioned Vlad Guerrero, it feels like. And that is such an odd thing because that was the guy who had all of the attention on him going into this year and going into last year. But it's been the other young guys who have kind of creeped up and kind of taken over and ridden this team all the way to the playoffs. And he has. And it's interesting where Teoscar Hernandez has jumped onto the scene as well. Chris Kofke has a news update next. And then a preview and a tip drill of tonight's Heat Celtics game. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everybody. What's going on? I am Greg Sussman, joined today by Jeremy Stein of SportsGrid, who's here to break down Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. We've got an interesting matchup, considering if you look at last game, neither team seemed to be able to figure out how to attack the zone defense. It was definitely a struggle throughout game four, but here we sit with Miami on the brink of going to the NBA Finals. And if they do, it may be once again on the back of Tyler Harrow. And how about this? Tyler Harrow, for you, is your MVP tonight. $11,000, double the points. He was masterful in game four. You're going back to him over all the other options in game five. How come? I actually expect him to be a very popular pick at this position. So it is a little chalky. And one of the reasons for that is his high upside. He took 21 shots last game. I expect him to have a very similar number. But what's very interesting is that almost half of those shots were from beyond the three-point lines. So if he does have the hot hand, he is going to rack up points quicker than anybody else on the board. And he is a rather cheap option. At $11,000 for what he could do behind the arc, he's dangerous. And like you said, it may be popular. It's going to be worth it if he does get hot. This is how you're going to win the money tonight here. Tyler Harrow at $11,000, your MVP. Moving down to the star position, that's where you're going back to Bam Adebayo. He's $15,500. That makes him the second highest priced player on the board behind Jason Tatum. Bam has been your man both offensively and defensively throughout the series. And you're going back to him here as your star tonight. Yes, I mean, he is going to be a key function in beating the zone defense. They're either going to play a lot of pick and rolls, and I like the correlation between him and Drogic. So I really like his upside compared to the rest of the team. I think that he's a pretty even balanced player and he's probably going to be good for at least a floor of 40 FanDuel points tonight. That floor is what you're looking for, but also the ceiling, right? You can just trust Bam Adebayo, which is so important here in that showdown slate. 
And speaking of trust, well, we'll get to the play other player you just mentioned here. He's your pro tonight, and it's Gordon Dragic. Dragic has been awesome throughout the playoffs and the game at Miami. lost in Game 3. It's where he struggled. So it's no surprise that when they win, he's been consistent. You're expecting more of that consistency clearly tonight. One of the ways that you do beat the zone defense is by attacking the rim. And given that he is the primary ball handler, I'm looking for him to either drive a lot or play a pick and roll with Bam. So what you're going to see there is you're either going to see a lot of the points or you're going to see a lot of assists. So I think he's a very good option at this position. Whether it's scoring or passing, Gordon Dragic is going to certainly make his mark on this game. He's going to have his hands all over it, and that's what you want with that kind of usage here. 1.2 times a point for Gordon Dragic. He's $10,500 tonight. And finally, we get to our utility spot, and this is what we've been waiting for. You've gone consistently with Marcus Smart here, and now it's finally a changing of the guard. Gordon Hayward is back, and he's your selection at the utility position at $10,000. Look, he's one of the most talented players that they have on their team, and they're really going to need to rely on him if they want to continue in this series. He is evenly priced with Marcus Smart, and I think he has a little bit more upside. So given the fact that we're pretty comfortable that he'll easily hit two times value here, he's a great, great play in the utility role. Just looking at the utility spot and looking at Gordon Hayward, he's played in two games thus far here in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he's hit uh, about 30 minutes in both of them, 29 and 30. He's giving you 29 FanDuel points, then 26 FanDuel points, essentially, which is fine. That's obviously, like you said, more than double what you're getting here for the price tag. So it's certainly a lot to like when it comes to Gordon Hayward tonight. Just $10,000 on FanDuel. Jarvis Stein, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Next week, it could be time for the NBA Finals already. Man, time flies now that we are back with the NBA. For Jeremy Stein, I'm Greg Sussman. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the NBA. And we'll see, see you back here next week for another edition of the NBA Tip Drill. And welcome back. Thanks again to Greg and Jeremy for the tip drill. And I'll certainly be watching that as well as to see if the Marlins get into the postseason tonight as they take on the Yankees. But of course, this weekend is another week for fantasy football. I know that for me, it's very important off to a one and one start in one league off to a two and oh start in another league. So uh, certainly curious to see how I end up doing this week. And of course, over at the uh, FanDuel DFS site, we're going to have Jim Sanis coming up a little bit later. We'll go over some of the options at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. We'll go through all three of those positions, give you some options at the top and some options at the bottom. Also, of course, we have Joe here to discuss some potential stacks for week three. If you're looking at specific teams to go with their quarterback, maybe running back and wide receiver, here are some of those options. And Joe, when we look at it, uh, your choices are for Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green and their tight end sample, and uh, you could take it from there in terms of who you like the rest of the way. Yeah, look, the great thing about Cincinnati is that Cincinnati's defense is terrible, and Joe Burrow is good at football. And uh, I think that his ability to score points with his legs is going to be very useful for everyone. Uh, then you've also got Mixon, who really deserved that touchdown last week. You know, he didn't get it. Bernard ended up being the guy at the goal. Mixon pretty Boyd and Green are both viable. Boyd is the guy in this stack that if you want to put along – 
uh, Burrow and mix it and run it that way. That's the best cash game play. But then in tournaments, you have two options. With Adrian, who's going to get targets, the roster percentage is going to be very low because basically you're in a setup where uh, people don't believe right now in A.J. Green, and that's fine because he's getting enough target volume that you can believe in, and it could be a great way to differentiate. Uh, Sample is the other guy, too, that tight end Drew Sample. If you want to go with Joe Burrow and Drew Sample and pair those two together, you can make that work and then pay up at the top of the board for guys like Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott. And speaking of Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys, they are very expensive this week, and they should be. It's a great marquee matchup against Seattle. Last week you saw Carolina, I mean, excuse me, you saw that was a Carolina there because I'm thinking Cam Newton. But no, it's not the Cam, Cam Newton. It is the New England Patriots Cam Newton. And he went in there and put up a ton of yards on that defense. So Prescott always in play. Obviously, you have to pay up. Cooper getting a ton of the target touchdown. But it's a good number. Touchdowns are going to come in a time. CeeDee Lamb is a very trendy pick right now. It does not make it wrong. So any combination where you want to save a little money with Prescott and Elliott and go down to Lamb, that's good. You could also give up both of those wide receivers. Instead, go with a guy like Schultz, who uh, so far, Dalton Schultz has gotten a fair amount of target volume. He's playing a ton of snaps. That's a good combination. There's a certain amount of floor, a certain amount of cap as well. I think when you look at the Cowboys, there's ways that work. Of course, you've got all the other game we're expecting a high total in this game i don't think it's going to disappoint us uh russell wilson has been clearly the mvp to start the chris carson is catching the ball a bunch he's not getting the same amount of carries per game but he's getting touchdowns he's getting opportunities that's all very positive then you've got tyler lockett who is more the cash game guy a little bit more expensive than dk metcalf who for me is more of the gpp guy you put in there and i think one of the sneakier ones i want to throw out there especially for cash is uh kyler murray and Hopkins together. That pairing is a duo. They have a high floor, high ceiling. You know they're going to be getting together. You know the matchup is going to be good for them this week. And Kenyon Drake actually uh, is a guy that's kind of floating underneath right now. He hasn't had two big real games in the first two weeks of the season, but he is getting consistent carries. And once again, I think this is another situation. You look at the matchup, you look at the value on the board. Drake at running back is low cost enough on Fandle that he can help you work in Murray and Hopkins. You can kind of go all in there with that group. So for me, those are the four I'm looking at. And there are a lot of people out there, Craig, who are looking at possibly the Eagles against that terrible Cincinnati defense. I'm going to ask you, do you feel confident enough in the Eagles, Carson Wentz, Miles Sanders, I feel confident in, but I don't have a lot of confidence in Carson Wentz. I'm curious your take. Do you think the Eagles are in play this week as sort of a contrarian stack because of that Cincinnati Bengals defense being so bad? Yeah, I mean, maybe Greg Ward is somebody that I would consider. I'm a big fan of Greg Ward and think that this is one of those guys that always plays with a chip on his shoulder, never is expected to do well, always is being replaced with other players. This year was Rager. Uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey is out this week, and I know that Arciaga Whiteside is being mentioned, but I'm I'm a Greg Ward fan. So uh, I'm I'm actually like more it's more personal than it is statistical for me with Ward. So I certainly think that there's a possibility that he could get more involved in the offense. And uh look, I'm uh this is the third week in a row that I'm gonna play on FanDuel, and this is the first time I would say in three or four years that I'm trying to play consistently. And I am looking at playing Kyler Murray at quarterback. That is that is the quarterback uh, that at least I have in my lineup right now. And when I usually make lineups on DFS, I don't change them. And that's a, probably a detriment to me. But I like to just go with the guys that give me the first hunch because I'm only playing four or five bucks anyway. And if I end up winning, I win. And if not, 
I just wait until uh, that FanDuel account gets down to zero and then just put money back in and just continue to play. So I uh, do like some of those options, and certainly we'll see what happens this week as we continue on here on Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, but coming up next, season-long leagues. There are key decisions that have to be made in fantasy, and so we're going to run through some of the potential options on this start-sit Friday. We'll run through the running back position, wide receiver position, and, of course, the tight end position right here on Fantasy Sports Today. But as a reminder, for those of you who are looking for injury details from Dr. Chow, potentially any updates on the Carolina Panthers with Antoine Staley, who joins us on the show every week, all you have to do is go to our YouTube site, which is, of course, right over on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Our show, as well as all of the other shows here on our channel, can be viewed on demand 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Most importantly, if you're watching us right now on demand and you're watching us on YouTube, which is perfectly cool, make sure that you hit the like and subscribe button, click your notifications to on, and as soon as our shows get done every single day, you can get them right to your iPhone, Android, tablet, or however you watch this show. Speaking of which, later today with a big clinching night in Major League Baseball, Scott Farrell going coast to coast. Make sure you catch his show as well as in-game live as Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart. They've got you covered with all of the action, Major League Baseball, NFL, and there is one college football game as well tonight. We'll be back with more here on Fantasy Sports today. Who do you start? Who do you sit? We'll tell you next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. Of course, we have a lot to get to here on today's show. We're going to go over some of the start and sit options in fantasy football. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here until 2 o'clock on the East. Just a couple of quick news and notes before we get to this. The New York Jets have already declared that Jamison Crowder and Brashad Perryman are going to be out for them this week to go along with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, kind of clear where that offense is headed. But if you are desperate for a wide receiver this week, perhaps Chris Hogan. Uh, who jumps back into a starting role, who is available in virtually every fantasy league right now, can be added. And uh, dare you to start him this week, but certainly that could be the situation there with him. All right, let's take a look at the running back situations and who to start, who to sit this week. As we take a look at it, Joe, let's uh, dive in here to some of the uh, options. And uh, we'll start off with, uh, as we take a look at it here, Kenyon Drake uh, of Arizona against Detroit. And David Montgomery uh, this week against Atlanta. So uh, we'll start with those two as people are looking at that on their screen right now, and then we'll take it from there. Well, yeah, I, I was just talking about Drake in the DFS world, too, and he's getting some consistent touches of the football, and that's a very good thing. Now, he hasn't converted that because Kyler Murray's basically taking it into his own hands. Uh, this is an opportunity against Detroit, though, one yet again for them to score points. Uh, I don't think that the pass rush of the Detroit Lions is as good as what they saw last week with Washington. So I think there's actually some opportunity here for Kenyon Drake, and I think you should start him. He's a he's more of a, a an RB2 start than an RB1. There's no doubt about that. As far as David Montgomery goes, this is another guy that would absolutely start. Better last week against the Giants. The Atlanta Falcons defense does not tackle anybody. We all know that. So in terms of anybody who's physical out there in space, David Montgomery can die. And I think he has certainly flex appeal this week, maybe low end RB two as well. So I think both those guys would be starts when you move in that same game to Todd Gurley. It's very difficult to sit Todd Gurley at this point because of, you know, the chances are you made a third or fourth round pick on Todd Gurley. So you're going to have to run him out there again. 
and see what happens. Now, you're not going to have Julio Jones for this game, it looks like, which means that maybe just out of default, you're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more to Todd Gurley and spread the ball around a little bit. We'll see if that changes anything. But so far, it's been lackluster, no doubt about it. Uh, I think this is one of the better matchups potentially for them in terms of game script. So we'll see if we really can go in there again, better flex play, but I think a start. So that's kind of the first three guys on the board, Craig. Uh, I know you don't love Todd Gurley, but Jarek McKinnon against the Giants, I would imagine you're looking forward to starting this week. I know you have Jeffrey Wilson in your league, but I think after seeing what you saw of McKinnon last week, that McKinnon would be a guy that you want to throw out there and start this week as a flex, right? Yeah, and when I look at it this week, uh, amongst the four that you mentioned, uh, you know, Drake does have a good matchup. It's sort of an important week, I think, for him to start delivering in fantasy because, again, 13 weeks of fantasy, you got to have one out of every three, I would think. Uh, David Montgomery looked good enough for me to start him. Uh, Todd Gurley, the Mets have a better chance of getting to the postseason than Gurley does to help you in fantasy, so take that risk if you want. Uh, McKinnon, for me, uh, you know, I actually have Jeff Wilson, but then when I saw uh, the Sammy Watkins news, uh, my flex option in one of my leagues, I'm thinking of of holding out and maybe starting Hardman if if they if I see that McKin uh, if I see that Watkins is not on the flight. So that is something I'm going to have to pay attention to Sunday morning to make that final decision. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would I haven't seen McKinnon play much in the last three years, so I can't really make an educated decision. It would just be a guess, and my guess is is that 60 yards, maybe a touchdown, maybe two or three receptions for McKinnon. Uh, Joe, let's move on and talk about Mike Davis. So the Carolina Panthers goes against a good defense with the Chargers. But to this point, at the very least, Davis would be a good PPR option because of the pass catching. Josh Kelly this week goes against the Panthers while Eckler is the starter. Kelly is getting his fair share. And then it was good for Ingram owners like myself to see him get more involved in the running game. And I think that certainly I would I would find it very hard to believe that Dobbins is going to be a primary guy in a game against Kansas City. I would think Ingram would get a lot of carries there. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on Ingram. I definitely see him in his important game most of the characters. I don't think you want to be trusting rookies like J.K. Don in that scenario. However, I also am I'm skeptical about Mike Davis. And the reason is, number one, that Charger defense, which is very, very good. Look, they gave Alaire everything they could handle last week, and I would not be surprised if it was the same thing. Now, you're right. In terms of game script, the Carolina Panthers should be behind, so there are possibility in PPR for some receptions there from Mike Davis. However, I think it's more of a desperation. And look, you might have, you might be the CMC owner who has a desperation start there. In that same game, though, Josh Kelly, I much prefer. I think we know the role there. He seems like he slid in very well. It seems like he's really picking up lots of positives there. Uh, Leonard Fournette then and Ronald Jones are the two guys in Tampa against Denver. You're going to have to figure out. We kind of already discovered that Ronald Jones is probably good for about eight half-point PPR points, and that's not terrible. It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, A little bit more maybe in the full PPR. And we'll see if Fournette can build on what happened last week. However, against Denver in the mile-high air, I think if you have better options, I think you're happy that Fournette is able to uh, at least look like Fournette of last year. I have a in the really good. I think I would wait one more week before you throw Fournette out there in your starting lineup. If he goes off again, that's great. I know it's frustrating to watch points happen on your bench, but I think there's still some risk there with Fournette in this particular matchup on the road in Denver. And then the last guy is Deion Lewis, which everybody wants to start. I know Freeman got this week, but Lewis will probably be the main guy. I, I don't love this. Uh, despite the situation here where we know San Francisco is missing a lot of players on defense. But, Craig, I'm avoiding the New York Giants running back situation altogether, and I already know from all of your bathroom talk yesterday that you are as well. 
Yeah, I think that for me, Deion Lewis is okay in a PPR if you're down to nothing because I, I do think that he has been there longer than Devonta Freeman. I can't imagine them just throwing him in there. So I, I can see Lewis giving you seven or eight fantasy points. But beyond that, uh, look, the guys in Tampa Bay, I, I think that this is interesting because I think Fournette is going to end up being viable. I just don't know on a week-to-week basis which way they're going to go. But here's what we know. Bruce Arians has almost told us no truth since the beginning of the season on anything as far as who is playing, who is not, because he has changed courses several times even during and before the season. All right, at wide receiver, let's take a look at some potential possibilities this week as Corey Davis who would who would think against Minnesota? That's that's a good matchup. Two years ago, you would have never thought of targeting players against the Vikings, but here we are. AJ Green of Cincinnati goes up against Philadelphia this week. Will Fuller is going up against Pittsburgh, and Houston is a desperate zero and two team. Robbie Anderson has been very good the last couple of weeks. In fact, uh, of all the players on this list, I don't even think he should be a question. I think you have to start Robbie Anderson. He's been very good. Marvin Jones has not, but maybe with Galladay back, he gets a little bit of a boost. And and Ruggs has been a little quiet, and he goes up against New England this week for Las Vegas, Joe. So where are you at on some of these? Well, the Minnesota quarterback play was not good last year, and everyone blamed it on Xavier Rhodes. Well, he's gone, and guess what? The Minnesota cornerback play still hasn't been very good. So nobody that has been able to replace him with rookies or otherwise has really stepped in there. So Corey Davis is on the table this week. It's not the greatest matchup in the world on the road to Minnesota with Minnesota kind of back against the wall here. I don't want to say their season on the line and be hyperbolic, but it's very possible it might be. Uh, Corey Davis, I think you can start him. AJ Green, I'm still starting. You know that. Too many targets to say no. It's getting so close there. The Eagles have not been good, so I feel pretty confident with him. Will Fuller, you have to understand the risk there. The risk is that he just all of a sudden comes out of that game, but you have to imagine there's going to be some garbage time for him at the very least against Pittsburgh, and Watson is always viable. Now, look, if you if your roster construction is a little fluid right now, then Will Fuller's not a guy you should be starting. You should be looking for somebody else at a flex spot or as a third wide receiver that has a higher floor because Will Fuller is boomer bust. And if your lineup is already boomer bust, then you'd take that out of the equation. Uh, Robbie Anderson, to me, is going to be a sit in this matchup. I just think the the way the secondary's played so far uh, for the Chargers, they've been really good. I think Carolina's going to have a really hard time without CMC scoring points. They're going to be very predictable, and that is not a good thing. Uh, Marvin Jones versus Detroit, it's not a bad matchup there, but with Kenny Galladay coming back, I think – that you want to wait and see if Galladay is back in a lot of ways. I actually like Marvin Jones more because I think there's that opportunity there where you have to account for Galladay on the field. So that's kind of my thought process with those guys. And then of course you can rugs against new England and, you know, I'm sorry. It just, you know, new England secondary for the most part, like I understand last week was tough against Russell Wilson, but, um, Look, Derek Carr is not Russell Wilson, so I'm going to uh, continue to favor them at home. And I would sit Ruggs because it looks like Waller's really the guy that they're going to more often than not in the passing game in terms of targets. All right, now uh, over to the tight end position. And look, this is the most volatile position in fantasy every week because you could start a guy, get a zero. You could start another one and get a 20. It's just very unpredictable. But Noah Fant's been pretty solid for Denver thus far and seems to be locked in whoever the quarterback is there. Of course, he makes... Another start this week against Tampa Bay. We have TJ Hawkinson of Detroit, who's been up and down at Arizona. Logan Thomas, one week good, one week no good. What will this week be? We'll have to see. Uh, Austin Hooper, one of the bigger disappointments at tight end thus far for Cleveland going up against Washington in a favorable matchup. This is probably it for him. Uh, Chris Herndon doesn't really have a lot of competition at tight end. Maybe he's a primary target this week of Sam Darnold. 
Dalton Schultz trying for two back-to-back solid weeks as he goes up against Seattle. We have Jordan Akins of Houston against Pittsburgh, and then Eric Ebron, who's been very quiet so far for Pittsburgh on the opposite side against Houston. So, Joe, let's dive in here a little bit. Fant seems to be the main guy here at the top, as he should be, because I don't know how you can find 11 tight ends that are better than Noah Fant. He's got to be in the top 12 this year. But beyond that, I think that definitely some questions as far as who to start. Yeah, I would be sitting Austin Hooper. Uh, I would be sitting Herndon. I would be starting Schultz. I think that's a guy you can feel good about. Aikens is more of a one-off, so I don't know how comfortable I feel with him. Um, same thing with Ebron. You know, that's just not a guy you can necessarily count on. But I think Noah Fant, of all these names, I feel pretty confident. In. And actually, Hawkinson and Logan Thomas still as well. Uh, Logan Thomas did not have a great game last week, but he's still getting looks, and that's important. That's what you're always looking for. Hawkinson so far has proven to be healthier this year and off to a better start, and Noah Fant is definitely, but the rest of this bunch outside of Schultz, I think I'm going to be sitting. All right, and finally, let's take a look at the quarterbacks. And for those of you who are maybe at the back end of your quarterbacks, maybe you were the ninth, 10th, 11th, or 12th person to draft a quarterback in your fantasy league, maybe thinking of changing it up a little bit, you'll see some names here on this list who you may end up having. Maybe you drafted Big Ben and he was your starter. Maybe you consider benching him this week against Houston. How about Tom Brady, as you see here at the bottom? Uh, Tampa Bay going to Denver, where uh, Brady has not had a ton of success. Uh, Kirk Cousins is very hard to endorse at this point. And so, Joe, for me, there's very few players that I would start here. I, I think that there probably are a lot of better options. Well, I'll tell you what, I still feel pretty good about Tannehill. He's earned enough respect going forward. Uh, Roethlisberger, you know, I feel like Roethlisberger is still kind of shaking the dust off. And I think he will play well enough that if you really need a quarterback there, he's somewhere of the low-end QB1, high-end QB2. Wentz, it's such a tempting matchup against Cincinnati. I I can understand wanting to throw that out there. Uh, If you had somebody else, let's say if you were able to pick up Joe Burrow this week, I'd rather be starting Joe Burrow. I think that's a little safer. Uh, But Wentz is right on that bubble. I'd be concerned with Jared Goff. I'd be concerned with Tom Brady, who typically does not play very well in mile high. Maybe he could turn that around with a new team. We'll find out. But it doesn't make me feel fuzzy inside. Neither does Daniel Jones matchup uh, against San Francisco, despite the fact they're missing guys. And Kirk Cousins, forget it. You can't even start him in Superflex right now. I think it's death. If you have that third quarterback, this is the time to pull the trigger there and put somebody else in potentially. And uh, look, it's, it's kind of tough here from the streaming quarterbacks, but I think you feel good about Tannehill. Good about Roethlisberger, Stafford, okay, and the rest, I think you're trying to look for other options this week. All right, well, speaking of options, we need those over on the FanDuel DFS site, and we can't wait to get involved this week. Coming up next, we're going to go over Joe's top values at each position. A little bit later in the show, Jim Sanis of Numberfire is going to join us, and we're going to run through every single player that you could potentially start this week and hopefully make a million dollars. Speaking of which, FanDuel's $1 million winner is going to join us on this show coming up in a little bit less than 40 minutes from now. Stay tuned to that. How do you make a million dollars on FanDuel? Our guest is going to let you know. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today on Sports sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com week for those of you who are trying to go three and oh maybe avoid going oh and three 
if you have George Kittle on your fantasy team, going to have to wait till Sunday. It looks like a game-time decision on him, although Nick Mullins was named the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And Joe uh, Mullins, I uh, mean, you never know. Maybe a DFS a- uh, option. I liked what I saw from Mullins when he ended up playing, and I thought the 49ers are very lucky to have him as a backup. Uh, I don't think that he could Wally Pip Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm very surprised that no other team jumped in and grabbed Mullins to be their starter. I, I really liked what I saw when he played. You and me both, and I've talked to many 49er fans about this same thing. I was actually shocked that Mullins wasn't plucked off onto another roster, but in terms of DFS, the only problem there is I think there's going to be so much big-time quarterback play from guys like Newton and Prescott and Russell Wilson that it's going to be really difficult for even a guy like Mullins in this kind of game script with the weapons he had left to him. If he had a full complement of, say, Mostert and everybody was healthy and Debo was healthy, I might feel differently about Mullins, but in this matchup, despite it being against the Giants, I'm just a little concerned there. Yeah. Uh, Also, Jay Glazer of Fox Sports is reporting that the center for the New England Patriots, Andrews, their Pro Bowl center, is out Mm. uh, for this week as well. So something we're going to have to keep an eye on with that combination with Cam Newton. Uh, Who else in FanDuel uh, would you like this week, Joe, in terms of value? Well, look, you're always looking for value. And Craig's right. Mullins is one of them. And it certainly is a guy that if you have enough floor with some of your other positions, you can look for Mullins. But for me, I'm definitely looking at Joe Burrow. Yes, I'm beating the dead horse, but I was just so impressed with what I saw. Yeah, I know it was only Cleveland, but guess what? The Eagles haven't looked all that great either. He can score points for you in multiple ways. Kenyon Drake, I think, is a value at 6.5 against Detroit. It's a good matchup. It's a good possibility here. He doesn't have to go crazy to return value. It's not like he's 7.5. Uh, Russell Gage, especially with Julio Jones potentially out, he's going to see that target share go up, and he's been very capable to start this season. Just 5.8 against Chicago is a good situation there. And I'm going to go back to this Drew Sample well, too. If it doesn't work, okay, it's not going to kill you because at that price under 5K, I'm telling you, the targets are going to be there. The rapport was there. There's a lot of upside there, potentially, with Drew Sample. All right. That will do it for our first hour of the show. But you got to stay on the grid because we have plenty more to come here. We're going to be joined by Jim Stannis, Talk More DFS, Howard Bender on the Super Contest Pick, and our top stories next. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.